I'm without a jacket this morning, but uh, I got permission from the Archbishop, so everything's okay. <laughs> I would like to say a thing about singing. Uh, I've enjoyed the singing here. I think one of our problems today is not necessarily the music. It's the words. Repeating something that could mean anything instead of setting forth the scriptures. Now, in our church, we're very, very, very old-fashioned. We sing hymns. What a, what a horrible thing to do. And I, I, I love music. My wife and I have sung together. I was in a quartet. I love music. But if we're going to sing the stuff of Scripture, then that's what it must be. Anyhow, I'm not going to preach about singing. I'm glad to be here. I've enjoyed the fellowship. Thank you for the invitation. This morning, or should I say, it's not this afternoon yet. Oh, I didn't put, I knew that was, you warned me. You warned me. Yes, sir, that's the way it goes. How's that? Am I on now? Hallelujah. Already this weekend, uh, we have heard some things about people of the Bible, and it's incredibly important that we know something about the people of the Bible, both good and bad, because we're not only given things to praise God for, we're given things to be careful about. We read the Bible about Noah and the building of the ark, and we've already heard a little bit about that in this conference. He was a blessed man, and I'm sure people laughed at him, made fun of him, thought he was crazy. And some people today think Christians are crazy. Then we talk about Abraham, the father of the faithful. You know, he was a Jew, but he was more than that. And Christians are his offspring, spiritually. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Uh, In Christ, we're united together. Our background doesn't matter. So there's hope even for people from Northern Ireland. Then we think of an Elijah. I love preaching on Elijah. The man who defied the whole pagan world. When that fire came down, I have often thought I would like to have been standing by and looked on the faces of those Baal worshippers. (laughs) Then we think of Isaiah, that great servant of God who has given us much in prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah. We could go on. And then last night, and we've heard it again this morning, We spoke about the Apostle Paul, that great master of truth. I believe God knew what he was doing, if I can be so blunt, in picking Paul. Because here was a man, as I said last night, who was brilliant in many ways. But he became God's man. And he served the Lord. And when you read the epistles of Paul, it's got to make your heart rejoice. You know. All right. I want to speak about another person today, so I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 16, and I'm going to read the verses 9 through 15. The book of Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And from thence, sorry, I forgot verse 11. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which reported thither, resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. The person I want to bring to your attention this evening, or should I say this morning, you see my days are going fast, is a lady who in the world would be regarded as very, very important. So I want to talk to you today about Lydia. And it's not about Lydia mostly, it's about what happened to Lydia. And as we read these stories of scripture, I want you to understand that they're not little fanciful stories for children. They're not mythological. You know, when I was in college, I used to hear often, well, this part of the scripture is just myth. We, we get some truth from it, but the literal... No, you don't accept that. I, I remember very early in my college days being told that the first 11 chapters of Genesis, well, Mr. McDowell, we don't take that literally. That's mythological. Oh, yeah, we can believe it, but you have to see it from another angle. Usually it's from man's angle instead of the Lord's angle. So we're going to look at this lady, and we're going to find some things out as we look at this particular person. And in the final analysis, our emphasis will not be Lydia. Our emphasis will be with the one who took care of Lydia, yeah. the one who redeemed Lydia. And, and certainly, uh, from all that we know, this was a clear redemption issue. Now, we're going to look at a real person, a real situation, a real encounter, and a real result. That's how I have outlined it, uh, and I hope we'll get there as we go through. But it's fundamental when preaching the gospel that we set forth the, call, the situation of man. You see, people who think they're righteous don't claim to need this salvation. Who needs salvation? Those who are sinners. Those who are lost. And do you know who they are? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Here was a sinner who was saved by grace. Here was a sinner who was born again. You see, we live in a world where, quite frankly, much of our religion is man-centered. You have to do something. 
You must react. And as I've often said, and I'm sure I said it last night, because I said it all the time, if man is spiritually dead, that's it. Can't do anything for himself or for anybody else. Here was a lady who was spiritually dead. Paul was spiritually dead one time. And God raised him to life. I want us to note a few things here. I got this from someone else. Comparing or reading about Acts 13, 48 said, As many as were disposed to eternal life believed. If you open that book up, you'll find that that's not what it says. Those who were ordained to eternal life. You know what that means? As we said last night, they were selected before the foundation of the world to be given eternal life. They didn't have anything to do with it. They were the recipients of it. I, I, I often get amazed people read the Bible and they don't understand what it says. So here is man's pride getting in the way. So very, very often. Here is the situation that confronts us on many accounts. We have left God aside, even in our religion. And we have made God our servant or or. Perhaps some would think better. We have allowed God to do something to us. You see? All right, Lord. I'll, I'll let you into my heart. Let God see. You think so? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You see, if I can do it, I've always got something to... Look what I did. No. We are sinners. Saved by grace. We're down there spiritually. And the hands of grace reached down and lifted us up. And not only lifted us up, but gave us life. More abundant. Well, I want to go into something about this lady Lydia and make a few observations. Paul had followed the direction of the Lord and he'd gone to Macedonia. And, and I could preach a sermon on Paul's going to Macedonia. Let me say one or two things. Paul was directed by God to go to Macedonia. I don't know how much Paul knew about Macedonia. But do you know what happened? God wanted him to go. Paul didn't start, well, Lord, you know, I'm not finished the work I have to do here. And... Uh, Who's going to pay the way for me to go to Macedonia? And when I get to Macedonia, what's it going to be like, Lord? Yeah. Have you got everything set up? You got the right motel for me? What did Paul do? He just went. Brethren in the ministry, our only option is to do what God wants us to do. And when we get behind the pulpit, do you know what we're supposed to do? Now I'm preaching to preachers for a moment. There's only one thing we have to do. Exalt the Lord Jesus, preach the word. In season and out of season. And that's not talking about summer and winter. See? All right, let's go into the text here. And I'm going to try to limit myself to two and a half hours. (laughs) A certain woman named Lydia. Before I get to Lydia, look at verse 13. On the Sabbath... We went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. Prayer. 
I'm going to point to myself too. We don't pray enough. Do you know what prayer is? It's not opening a book and reading what's there. I could take you to services. I've been in services where the minister opens his book and everything's set out for him. The prayer to say, the whole prayer, the hymns to select, an outline of his text. All he has to do is read it. And he's done. Prayer, my friend, is communication from me to God. I believe in it this way. I believe the Bible is God's word to us. And our prayer is reaching up to him. What a privilege. What an honor. What a delight. Prayer. Can I give a personal testimony? And my wife knows all about this because she was involved too. I remember as a young Christian in Belfast, Northern Ireland. On a Friday night going to an assembly meeting somewhere at 10 o'clock for an all-night prayer meeting. And I mean all night. From 10 o'clock to 6 the next morning, people can come and go as they like. What do you do that for? Because we're dependent on the Lord. And I've heard men weeping. I think I tried a couple of times myself too. But here we are before on their knees. I listened to men who could hardly put two words one beside the other. They were not educated. But you listen to them pouring out their hearts before God. It humbles you. Prayer. Prayer meetings are probably in many churches the least attended meetings there are. Prayer is my communication with my God. I communicate with my wife, and sometimes she even understands me. You know, we communicate with each other. But my dear friend, if you go away from here in this message with nothing more than we need to pray, I'll be content. But here it is. They were at a place of prayer. And I love this, where prayer was meant to be made. We get the impression that prayer was made there again and again. Prayer. He didn't say here at this particular time, let's have a biblical exposition. And there's a place for that. Right here, right now. You've had it in this conference. But there's a place, my friend, both for private and public prayer. Praying. Lord, I need you. Lord, I thank you. And Christian, you could do this a million times a day and it would never be enough. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation. So rich and so free. Christian, I don't think we can ever pray that enough. Never enough. All right. Let's go to Lydia. A certain woman named Lydia. One particular individual. One lady. But let me tell you something. This lady is in for a surprise. All right. One lady. A certain named Lydia. A seller of purple. We're given a little information about this lady. She, she was a, a business lady. I would assume she had some smarts. And she was able to deal with things. She was a busy woman. Lydia, a seller of purple. She did business. That's how she made her living. Now, I'm not a businessman. If I were a businessman, the business would go 
you know, sometimes I have difficulty adding $2 together. But here's a lady who was a businesswoman. We're told what she did. But secondly, we're told where she was from. She was from Thyatira. She was from another place. And it doesn't matter where you're from. When we come before God, it's all the same. I came from Belfast. And here I am in Coweta, Oklahoma. Never thought I'd leave Belfast. This lady never expected to leave Belfast. Pardon? Yeah, look what I did, indeed. And we have traveled by God's grace, never dreaming that we would leave where we were born and brought up. But God brought us here. I know the plane carried us, but it was God's purpose to bring us here. And he has been gracious to us. And for that, we're very thankful. A, a lady from the city of Tower. Here's the part that has some people puzzled, which worshipped God. Do you know a lot of people worship God, but they don't know the God of the Bible? They go through the most. The Jews worship God. And some of them very sincerely with all of their hearts. And I believe this man saw it before God saved him. She worshipped God. She was a God worshipper. I've spoken to people who know there's a God in the heavens. Who will even acknowledge that he created the world. And they acknowledge that perhaps in some instances he's answered their prayers. But they don't know him as the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the God of the Bible is never separated from his Son or from the Holy Spirit. The God of the Bible is not like any other God. Baal and other gods and goddesses by the hundred. People bow down before them. Now think about it. Intelligent people bowing down before a piece of stone and thinking for even a second that that stone could hear them or could answer their prayers. This lady worshipped God. And that, for some people, is all she needed. But biblically, it wasn't. All right. <clears throat> she heard us, it says in verse 14. She heard the message. A lot of people hear the message, and that's it. Good message, preacher. Doesn't have any effect on them. And incidentally, I'm not the effect. God is the effect. All I am is the messenger. I'm the carrier. You know, I worked in an apprentice in engineering, I think I mentioned this last night. And, and sometimes, you know, all I was was a carrier. McDowell, do you see that machine over there? Get it over here. You see that pipe there? Bring it over here. We are carriers. But you know, if I hadn't moved it, somebody else would have had to move it. Carriers are important. You know the guy who delivers your mail every day? Through rough and smooth and all the rest of it. Important. Well, it says here, she worshipped God. She heard us. Whose heart... The Lord opened. This is the crux of the matter, my friend. We're meeting a real person. Lydia. This is not a, 
a, a story of, of some mythological character. You, you read Greek philosophy and Greek history and you read of all these non-existent people. They're just myths. But when we read the Word of God, it's not mythology. There's not a part of this book that is mythological. And I'll tell you something. Here's the issue. If we start questioning one part of the Bible, it'll not be too long until we're questioning another part, and another part, and another part, and before very long, the Word of God is gone. I find, again, I go back to my college days. I find that again and again and again. I've seen... I, when, I was, when I went in my first year, I keep referring to college because I learned so many things there. Not all was theological. There was a fella from Ballymena, 30 miles north of Belfast. There were three of us from Northern Ireland who went over uh, in the ship and went to college the same day and we were given our rooms. And the, the, the principal said, now, McDowell, this was Saturday, he said, McDowell, you're going to such and such a town tomorrow to preach. Didn't even know what the town, where the town was. But I got the direction. Well, anyway, there was this guy, we called him Johnny Text. No matter what you were talking about, John had a text for it. It didn't matter what, including sport. Everything we discussed, John would throw in a Bible text. That's why we gave him the name Johnny Text. Four years later, the night before graduation, John came over and he looked at me and he said, McDowell, I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I believe. He was going out to pastor a church. I don't know what I believe. Johnny text. You can know verses of the Bible and be lost. You can know verses of the Bible and be on your way to hell. All right. I better get back to my text. They heard us and whose heart the Lord opened. Can I tell you something? She didn't make a decision for Jesus. She didn't walk the aisle. A lot of people would get upset with me and others for saying that. She didn't give her heart to the Lord. Her heart was as hard as anybody else's against the Lord. The heart has to be changed. And I can't do it. The preacher can't do it. The evangelist can't do it. And let me say this. The music can't do it. Whose heart the Lord opened. Whose heart the Lord opened. She didn't just come to that moment and say, you know something? I think I need to become a Christian. No. God was at work. The sovereign God was at work. And my dear friends, when you were saved, you were saved by grace. And I keep repeating that because in our day we need to keep repeating it. You were saved by grace through faith. And as I said last night, even the faith is a gift of God. God opened our heart. She didn't just suddenly come along and say, you know something? Well, as I just quoted, I think I'll give my heart to Jesus. What does that actually mean? She was dead. Oh, she had some concept of a deity. 
I've spoken to many people. Oh, McDowell, I believe in a, a God, but not the God you preach. Well, there is only one God. There's not a multiplicity of gods. And in our world, we have even made our government a God. Or maybe they think they are. You know. But here it is. Whose heart the Lord opened. It is God who opens hearts. It is God who changes people. It is God who alters everything. It is not what I do. It is what God does. It is not my influence. It's God's influence. God opens our heart. The Holy Spirit comes to give life everlasting. It is God's work from beginning to end. And I think sometimes we forget that. We live in a world where the things of God are neglected and rejected. And we've heard already about young people. Many of our young people haven't a clue about even what the Bible means. Many of our young people are walking along in their own little world. They don't know. One of my grandchildren said, I don't believe in God. They don't know anything. Parents, we have an awesome responsibility to preach the gospel to your children. To let them know there is a God in the heavens. To pray that the Spirit of God will touch them and lift them up. All right. Now, I want you to note, he says, it says here, the Lord opened our heart. This is God's work. This is God's work. The operation is not man's. The operation is God's. It is God who does this. Armenians come to me and say to me, oh, we believe in the sovereignty of God, but we still have to do something about it. And as I said last night, and I keep saying it, that makes them, God, uh, that makes them sovereign, not God. If I can defeat God, I'm in charge of him. But that's not the God we worship. If our God was not sovereign, how do we even know he would listen to us? How do we even know he would do anything for us if he wasn't sovereign? We have lost sight in many of our churches of the divine work of the Holy Spirit of God. We believe it's the preacher who has the influence. We believe the music works on us, and I think sometimes it does, emotionally at least. We've lost sight of a God who sovereignly works. And he worked, you'll notice, in the heart of one person at that particular time. It wasn't a mass conversion necessarily. Sometimes I think that may happen, but one at a time. This lady, Lydia, one lady, God opened her heart. And what does it say? She attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. She had her heart opened, her mind opened, her eyes opened. And now what Paul is saying makes sense. It fits together. When God is at work, my friend, it fits together. God opened her heart. She, atten- she paid attention. Do you remember when God saved you? Do, do you ever remember 
a, a tremendous hunger now you had for the word? Do you remember when it was a delight to pray and, and know that your prayers were being heard and answered? Do you remember those days? She gave attention. We're here today to give attention to the word. She attended unto the things that were opened. The opening of her heart led to other things. She was a changed person. She was a new person. She looked the same on the outside. Had the same accent. Wasn't a Northern Ireland accent, but we'll forgive her that. You see, but on the outward appearance, she looked the same as she always looked, but her heart was a new heart. God had worked. And that's what he does for each and every one of us who are his. Now, she paid attention to Paul. I'm going to go to verse 15. When she was baptized. Uh-oh. McDowell, you're getting controversial. When she was baptized. Now, I prefer to put it this way. And you preachers will understand. Most people will understand. When she was dipped. Submerged. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. But I know enough to know that the word baptizo can only be translated one way. Now, this is the guy who used to sprinkle babies. Remember I told you last night? But the word baptizo was not translated. It was transliterated. They simply anglified the word. Guess what happened to this lady? They didn't go and pour a little drop of water on her head. Let me talk to you about, about the infants. You know, you hear these stories about what happens. If the infant was screaming his head off in his mother's arms, when he got into my arms, he was squat as a mouse. And I took the little amount of water, could just touch my fingers, and I didn't even make the sign of the cross on her head. I just put the water on there. But let me tell you something. That water did nothing. That wasn't baptism. And every time you, and, and you all know this, but here goes. Every time you read about it in the New Testament, it is an ordinance where they go down into the water and they come up out of the water. I'm not trying to be funny here, but friends, the only meaning of baptism in all of the New Testament is to immerse. And think of it as a great picture of the dying of the Lord Jesus. We're dying with Christ. And coming up out of the water, the resurrection of Christ. And we've been raised to newness of life. You can't, I wasn't able to do that in my sprinkling. And I don't care whether it's adults or children. But you can't put a little baby in the water. Of course you can. Of course you can. Yes. All right. She was baptized and her household. Oh, there it is, McDowell. There must have been babies in the house and they were baptized with this lady. No. It doesn't say there were infants in the house. You remember, let me take you on a bit. Remember the story of the Philippian jailer? We read about the Philippian jailer later on in this chapter. And all I have to do is find it. Anyhow, but anyhow, you know the story of the Philippian jailer. He asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And he got the answer. 
Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was baptized on his household. Oh, well, you see, the babies were involved. The children were involved. Because they're part of the household. No, it was the household also who believed. And on the profession of their faith in Christ Jesus, they were baptized. They were baptized. They were, they were immersed. In fact, I think our translation would be better if, in fact, when we were translating the word, we literally said, baptized. Me, or not baptized, oh, but just say, immersed. It's the proper meaning. So here was a lady who worshipped God, but was yet lost. Whose heart the Lord opened, and she believed the truth. Then she was baptized. She was baptized. She was put under the water. It says uh, in verse number 15, When she was baptized her and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. When she was saved, she became a new person. And she said, come on, let's fellowship together. She became a, well, I don't know what she was like in her business life, but she became a lady who introduced people. And no doubt she gave a testimony. A lady who welcomed people into her home, who was gracious, who was hospitable. Christians, that's what we should be. Gracious and hospitable. Praising God. And being able to help people. Lift them up. We heard already. You know. People need, need lifting up. Even God's people. Something has happened. And we're down. And somebody comes along. And prays with you. Don't you love it. When one of your brethren. Or one of your sisters. Comes along. And prays with you. What an encouragement. The local assembly. The local assembly is the only biblical meaning worthy of attention. The word church, you probably know this, but I'm going to say it. The word church, doesn't, the word C-H-U-R-C-H doesn't appear in the New Testament. If that had been translated, it would have been one of two words, the congregation or the assembly. When we come together in the assembly, uh, uh, an assembly of saved, baptized people, we're a unique company of people. And when Paul... Now, I, I'm going off on a tangent here. Uh, when John wrote to the churches of Asia, he didn't write to the church of Asia. He wrote to seven specific, independent, local Baptist churches. But McDonald doesn't say they were Baptist churches. Yes, it does, because they were all baptized. You know, the word Baptist, sometimes people misunderstand it. But here's the point I want to make. This lady was one person. Yes, in the eyes of the world, an important person. But something wonderful happened to her. God came to her. God redeemed her. God turned her around. She wasn't a Paul. But even this lady gives attention to the word of God and no doubt was a testimony to those around her. You may not be a preacher, but if you're saved by God's grace, you can talk to others. Amen. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, my friend. Don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. Don't ever be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. If you're his by grace, you've got something to talk about. 
Let me give a personal testimony. It's just simple, but I hope it makes a point. When I was an apprentice in the shipyard, we were working on a ship. You know, we had lunch usually sitting on some planks with our, not our coffee things, but our tea things. And I, as the apprentice, was expected to stop work early and get everything ready. So that when the horn blew and they sat down, everything was sitting waiting for them. Uh, and I was a professing Christian at the time. I got awfully bothered about this. I mean, I really got concerned about this. I believed I was cheating my employer. Oh, McDowell, it was only 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. But I was cheating my employer. And I thought, i got to say something to these guys. I was a prank. These were all men with, some of them with tongues that were covered with sin. And I said, I've got to do something. So I said, Lord, help me. And one day we were sitting around. I'd done all the stuff. And I said, fellas, I've got something to tell you. You all know I profess to be a Christian. Yeah, we do. I said, I'm stopping early to make your tea for your lunch. I think I'm doing the wrong thing. I, I don't believe God would want me to do this. And I was waiting for them to curse at me and swear at me and do all sorts of things. The guy who I worked with, a very nice guy, but as lost as lost could be, he looked at me. I think he was the first one to speak. I was very glad about that. He said, that's okay, Jim. We understand. I gave, that opened doors for me. Why did you do this? What was so important about it? And I had opportunities to testify to people. Now, I wasn't a theologian, never have been, but I was just a young fella, not too long, on the road of salvation, and God opened a door in the shipyard of all people to speak to guys who had come from the gutter, to guys whose, I'm not exaggerating, whose paycheck on a Friday night never got home. Because on the way home they visited the bars and there wasn't a penny left. I'll tell you another story and then I'll bring it to a close. The street, all our, our houses were terrace houses. You know what that means? The houses are matched together. The wall of one is the wall of another. Well, we had streets like that and I lived in one of those streets. And one of the helpers in the department I worked in, you know, he was the guy who did whatever we wanted. There was the, the foreman, the journeyman, the apprentices, and then the helpers. This man was a helper. And I'm not exaggerating. On a Friday night, I stayed out late at night with my friends. But on a Friday night, I would be coming, walking home to my house. And there, at the end of my street was, was just a big wall. And I would find this man standing against the wall. He could hardly move. He was so drunk. This was at 11.30 at night. Stupid drunk, not a penny left for his family when he got home, and I knew he had two or three children. A few weeks, maybe months later, Monday morning came, we were sitting ready to get the work going, and in walks this guy, brand new overalls, shaved, hair combed, never looked like that before. His overalls must have been, I'm almost saying they come out of the ark. They were so old and tattered. And he never, I don't think he ever shaved himself. But here he is, the picture of 
I don't, greatness. And I said, what happened to him? And I went over to him. I said, well, tell me what happened. Do you know what his answer was? He said, the Lord saved me on Sunday. Not only was his heart changed, his whole life was changed, was turned around. Why? Because he, on his drunken stupor, decided to believe in Jesus? No. Because God took this man and he made a new creature out of him. And this was seen not in just in the words he said, but it was seen in the way he walked into the yard, in the way he uh, did his helping, because, you know, you, you, you don't need me to tell you guys that sometimes there are shirkers who'll avoid the work every way they can. This guy was a shirker. And now he's coming over and says, Jim, what do you want to help with? This man was changed. But only God can do that, my friend. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Have you been changed? Not by religion. Have you been changed by God's grace? I pray you have. This lady, Lydia, was a business lady. Probably no different from many others. But God opened her heart. And she was marvelously saved. I had a friend, and with this I'd better come to a close. I could preach all day, but I had a friend. Uh, I worked with him in the tool shop because in an apprenticeship we had to go six months to every department. And I worked with this man. He was a, an elder in a Baptist church in Belfast. Now, in those days, I was still a crazy congregationalist. But this man said to me one day, he said, Brother McDowell, did you know that I have degrees? I said, no, Dick, I did not. Well, he said, I've got a B.A., I've got an M.A., and I've got a D.D. I said, you have? Yes, he said. Number one, I'm born again. Number two, I'm marvelously altered. Number three, I'm a devil disturber. Best degrees in the world to have. As I said, I could go on, but there's another preacher, and I want to give him all the time he needs. I just want you to realize that no matter who it is, big in the eyes of the world or little in the eyes of the world, young or old, we all need God's hand if we're going to be saved. We cannot save ourselves. All the decisions of the world, all the aisle walking, all the singing verses of the world will not save us. It is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his work is applied to us by the sovereign Holy Spirit of God. That's what makes us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Have you been made a new creature in Christ Jesus? And if you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, I pray God will bless you abundantly. It's been a joy to be here. May God bless you. And may God lead this church, this assembly, this people in the days ahead to give glory and honor to his name. May we pray? Our gracious heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we're not dependent upon men. But this is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, we thank you for salvation. And if there's some tonight or this day who do not know the Savior, I know they can't do it on their own. None of us can. But, oh, God, we pray for the moving of your Spirit.